couple of things with you before we um, start the message and have prayer. First of all, in your bulletin should be, if it hadn't fallen out, a little small card with a scripture verse on it, Philippians 4.13, a verse that I'm sure practically everybody here has heard or knows or even memorized. I, I'm going to share with you at the end of this, and if you don't have one in your bulletin, if it fell out, we'll get you one. And Fran's going to put them in the bulletin next week, and we'll have some extra ones available. But at the end of this message, I hope you'll know why we've given you that first, okay? Before I pray, I want to share with you, you know, right now there's a lot of negative and discouragement about living the Christian life and a lot of people think that most churches are dead and aren't having any impact on their community or on the world. Also, I believe that if you and I try and commit ourselves to walk for the Lord and live for Him daily, uh, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to discourage us because Satan is going to put a bullseye on us and he's going to attack us in every single way that he can. And I believe, for me personally, Discouragement is one of the greatest hindrances to you and I living for Jesus on a day-to-day basis. We sing about victory, we sing about faith, but yet it's hard when we leave this place to put that into action, isn't it? But folks, I believe that all of us who have genuinely come to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me, he gave himself, he gave his all for us so that we could know God in a personal way, have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, enter into heaven when God calls us home, but live this life for Him. I believe all of us want to sincerely do that. But how? How? How can you and I, can you and I live for Jesus? I hope when we get finished with this message and next Sunday, you'll say, yes, we can. Let's leave this place and go out and serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, please encourage us from Your Word today. Lord, remind us that you have saved us to live for you and to live in victory and to be powerful witnesses in a dark world that there is hope. And that hope is in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, none other than your son, Jesus. And so I pray, Father, this morning that as we read Scripture and as we share, Lord, in the Scripture, that you will just bless us, that you will be in our midst. And, Lord, when we leave here, may we be encouraged that we can go out and live for Jesus. We ask all of these things in his name. Amen. Let me read three different verses of Scripture to you, okay? First of all, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to be reading this verse out of the King James. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Would you read that with me, okay? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now listen to Luke 9:23. And next Sunday I'm going to talk about how this verse and the next verse is connected and believe you me, I finally saw it this past week. And I honest to goodness was driving to Durham and it dawned on me how these two scriptures are related. Listen to this. And Jesus is talking to the multitudes as well as to his disciples. And Jesus said to all, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow, take up his cross daily and follow me. Folks, that's hard, isn't it? To deny self, to take up our cross and to daily follow the Lord. 
But let me connect that together with Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Jesus had said we must take up our what? Our cross. The cross is an instrument of death. It was a place where people were crucified. Was Jesus saying that you and I have literally got to be crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem like he was? Listen to what Paul says. I, am, I have been crucified with Christ. Now think about this for just a second. Paul is still living. He is not dead. But the old man that used to reign in his heart and his mind, that used to direct his path, that old man is dead. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But look at this next phrase and read it with me. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, this morning, I pray that this message is going to be simple. I pray that it's going to be encouraging. And it will be very personal, not to talk about myself, but to talk about our Savior. There's so much that I want to share with you. And I pray that what I share today will lead you and I to understand that we can live for Jesus. We really can. I believe a majority of Christians in churches right now feel defeated. But how can we live for Jesus? There are three things, first of all, I want to say. Number one is this. We can live for Jesus because our Lord is alive. We do not serve a dead Jesus or one who has been compromised or one over history who has been weakened. He is still the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is the Son of God. And everything is under His dominion. And, folks, that's what the gospel is all about, that Jesus is alive. Folks, that's why we have Easter, because Jesus is alive. The gospel is about a living Savior. And let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. And, again, just look at these verses, but jot them down on your bulletin and, and read these later in the privacy of your home and your own devotion. Listen to this. Paul is, is battling with people who say there's not going to be a resurrection. And, folks, if there's not a resurrection, that means Jesus was not resurrected. Do you not understand that? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So Paul is trying to speak to these folks, and he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And listen to these next phrases. He is going to put the gospel in a nutshell. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And folks, please notice in the next verses how many times... He says, and Jesus appeared, and Jesus appeared. He mentions it four times. Listen to this, verse 5. And that he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Folks, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel. But the crucifixion and burial leads to the resurrection. That's why Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. You and I cannot gain this victory and live for Jesus 
until we die to the old man and the old self and the resurrected Savior comes and abides within us and lives in us. But he's alive and he can do that. A second point is this, not only is our Savior alive, but in him we have been made spiritually alive. And folks, let me point something out. As Christians and as a church, we must not act as if we are spiritually dead. We, as the followers of Jesus Christ and as his his church, should be full of life, spiritual life, spiritual light. Jesus said, I come to give life and give it abundantly. Folks, let me read two pa- Well, it's the same passage of Scripture, but I want to read it out of two different translations, okay? And you might say, well, that's silly. But yet I think it just helps focus in on the Word. And, folks, my heart's, my heart's desire in these remaining years, I've got to be your pastor if it is years. And, remain, and I, I'm, a lot of things can happen, and I hope they don't. I want to be here a longer time. But, folks, listen, it is my heart's desire that as I stand in the pulpit, I share with you the Word of God because nothing's going to happen here, nothing's going to happen in your heart and my heart until we get into the Word of God and know what God's Word said. That's another sermon. Back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, okay? Listen to this. Listen to how Paul writes this. And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins. Now, folks, after we get saved, sometimes we just kind of walk away from what we thought we were before we were saved. Folks, before we were saved, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but when Jesus washed us from our sin, we became spiritually alive. Listen to verse 2, and he's going to describe our walk, our life before we trusted Christ, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these we all once walked in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love which with which he loved us, even when we were dead, through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now let me read those five verses and an additional five verses in the Living Bible. Listen to this. Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. You went along with the crowd. Now listen, doesn't this describe us before we trust Christ? If it describes your life today, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, you need to turn to Jesus and let him make you alive spiritually, and praise God he will, okay? Listen to verse 2. You went along with the crowd and were like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every evil, doing every wicked thing that our passions or evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved and lifted us up from the grave. And again, look at how Paul says, and Paul knew he was a dead man, not physically, but spiritually. He was in his own grave of spiritual self-righteousness. He was dead. 
lifted us up from the grave in the glory along with Christ where we sit with him in the heavenly realms also because of what Christ Jesus did for us. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very kind his richness is as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Because of his uh, kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves. It, too, is a gift gift from God. Salvation, listen to this. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, so none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Now, the Revised Standard, and I think King James says, we are now God's workmanship. What does that mean? Have you ever built anything? Don't you have pride and joy in what you've accomplished with your hands? But folks, listen, when Jesus Christ comes in our hearts, he wants us to be his workmanship. We suddenly become living examples of his grace and his mercy and love and what he can do. And folks, listen, that's why Satan does not want us living for Jesus because we become such a witness. But folks, listen, not only is our Savior alive, but in him we too are alive. God has given us spiritual life. And folks, the third thing this morning, God in Christ has many desires for our lives. He really does. But there are at least three that I want to mention this morning that are so important. First of all, our Lord desires that all mankind be saved. That is, brought out of spiritual death, brought out of sin and judgment, and brought into life in Christ. John 3.16, I hope you never get tired of hearing this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should what? Not perish, not be spiritually dead, but have everlasting life, that we would be spiritually alive. And folks, secondly, Christ desires that all born-again believers grow in the grace and knowledge of this Savior, Jesus Christ. And I told the crowd at the 830 service, listen, Fran has a hard time reading my writing, so this is not her fault. It is my fault. I'm a poor writer. But I put down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But as I read this verse, God led her, I believe, to do this. Because look at this verse. For Christ also died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. Folks, listen. Do you see the transformation We die in the flesh, but we're made alive in the Spirit. We're no longer that old man who who desired sin and wanted to be out of the will of God. Now we want to be in the will of God because we're one of his children. This is what 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We become disciples. Folks, when you and I truly get saved and become disciples. There's something else that the Lord desires, that we surrender our lives to him. And folks, when we give our lives to Jesus, he then lives in us, and we as Christians, folks, there's so many things that the Scripture, I think, points out that the Lord wants to do in our life. But when we as Christians live for Christ, we do a lot of things. First of all, we bear witness for Christ, Acts 1. Secondly, we bear fruit for Christ, John 15. You remember Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. 
we bear the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'll, I'll miss them. There's nine of them, okay? We'll become Christ's workmanship that we've mentioned already in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 10. But folks, I believe that there's a verse that sums up our lives when we're living for Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And if you haven't already earmarked this verse, please do it. Listen to this. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who live. Now, who is that? The believer. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Our Lord wants you and I living for him. So what is this leading up to? Because our Savior is alive, we must live in the power of the resurrected Lord. And folks, I hope that you and I understand that Satan wanted to keep Jesus in the tomb outside Jerusalem. But praise God, God raised him from the dead and Jesus is alive today. But now folks, listen, after you and I become believers... Satan wants to entomb Christians in doubt, fear, self-centered indulgence, and disobedience. I mean, can I read those again? Satan wants to entomb Christians in doubt, fear, self-centered indulgence, and disobedience. But Jesus invites you and I to come to him, and he will fill us with living power. Now, how do we know that? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and this is a verse you've heard multitudes of times, Jesus saying to these disciples at early church, but you shall receive power, power. And I love that word. I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, and I forgot most of the Greek that I was taught in seminary, but one of the things I remember about the word dynamos or dynamis is that it's the word that you and I get dynamite from in the English language. Jesus saying, but you shall receive dynamite. Now, now, I'm not trying to be facetious. He is talking about a power, a power. You shall receive spiritual power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Folks, Jesus didn't say, I will give you weakness, I will give you fear, I will give you doubt, but Jesus said he would give us what? He would give us power. And that early church... In, in Acts chapter 1, we find out that originally there was only about 120 people that really were going to follow Jesus. But Jesus gave them, they received that power on the day of Pentecost, and they went out and began to turn their world upside down. But you see, every generation of believers has struggled with weakness and fear and doubt. Let me give you one example of this. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and he's speaking here to young Timothy. And we, don't, again, don't know how old he was. But apparently some people didn't think that he should be in ministry or pastoring a church because he was young. And listen to what Paul says. This being so, I want to remind you to stir in the flame, or steer, I guess. I'm, I'm South Carolina. Stir in the flame the strength and boldness that is in you. Folks, have you ever seen the embers of a fire that is slowly going out that if you blow on it or if you fan it, what happens? It blazes up again. Folks, we need to blaze up again in our faith and walk with Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul says, Stir into flame the strength and boldness that is in you that entered into you when I laid my hands upon your head and blessed you. For the Holy Spirit 
God's gift does not want you to be afraid of people. Now, let me read that again. The Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people. How many of us, and I raise my hand gladly, don't you, you don't have to do this, but if I said, would you raise your hand if you're afraid to witness to people, or especially to some people? We'd have to raise our hand. We're afraid. I mean, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm the one that's supposed to be doing this all the time. Folks, it brings fear to me. But listen to what he says. For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and to enjoy them. If you will stir up this inner power, you will never be afraid to tell others about our Lord or to let them know that I am your friend, even though I am here in jail for Christ's sake. You will be ready to suffer with me for the Lord, for he will give you. Look at this. He will give you the strength in suffering. Folks, I want to stop and pause for just a moment. Think of the many biblical characters to whom the living God gave power to live for him. Folks, just think for just a second. And I just jotted down some names. Noah. The rest of the world would not uh, repent and turn to God, but Noah believed. And he saved his family. And he stands out as a person who believed in God and in God's judgment coming. Abraham left his country, his kindred, his father for a land that God promised he did not know where he was going. You know, when you and I leave the doors of this church every Sunday morning, we don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know who we're going to be exposed to. We don't know what might happen in our own life. But Abraham had faith that God would be with him and bless him. Moses, Moses, when he was called to be the one who would deliver the slaves out of Egypt, he begins to make excuses, but God promises, Moses, I'll be with you. David, a teenager who slays a giant. How about the prophets? Always running into opposition, how hard it was for them to stand and preach the word of God. Jeremiah thought preached for about 30 years, and there were no converts. And he's called the weeping prophet because so often he is a man who is seen weeping. They try and kill him. Folks, it was not easy being a spokesman for God. How about the disciples? Their lives were transformed from being fishermen and men of the world to being men of the Savior. And the Apostle Paul is one of the greatest examples from being a blasphemer and a persecutor to a proclaimer and the persecuted. And that early church became the living presence of the living Lord. That's what Jesus wants to do in you and I. Think about someone in your life, perhaps even from this church, that God has placed for you as an example of how we can live for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, folks, what about you and me? Can we live for Jesus? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Today and next Sunday, we're going to look at Philippians 4.13 and the time that's remaining. And next Sunday, we'll look at the, the verse in Luke and the verse in, in Galatians. But I want us to look quickly at Philippians 4.13. And I want to point this verse out in four different translations. And you might say, well, why do you want to go to all these translations? Folks, it just makes things a little bit clearer. Listen to this, the King James, I, and notice how personal Paul gets, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Listen to that verse in the Living Bible. For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. Listen to the J.B. Phillips. 
I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives where? Within me. And listen to the Amplified Bible. I love this. Listen to this. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses. Think about that for just a second. Probably, if not all of us, most of us have had a virus and gotten dehydrated, or Sarah said when she's about five years old, dehydrated. But you remember, you just run out of fluids. And so you have to go to the emergency room and you get new fluids that strengthens your body and brings you back to life. Folks, you and I as Christians and as churches, we need to get an infusion of the Spirit of God once again and get brought back to life. And Paul is saying that God will give us that infusion. Let me get back to the text. Through him who who infuses inner strength into me. And listen to this in the brackets. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Let me read that again. I love it. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Not in himself. You and I don't have power to live the Christian life. We've tried it, haven't we? We know what it is to fall flat on our faces and say, man, I sure did fail. Did Jesus fail? No, we failed to turn to Jesus to let him give us the victory. Our sufficiency is not in ourselves; It is in Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to do this morning is share a brief testimony about this verse. And I've probably shared some or most of this before. And I'm not trying to talk about Herbert Brown. I'm t- trying to talk about my Savior. I was saved in May of 1968 as a junior in high school. And shortly afterward, I felt the call, and I really mean that. That's not sarcasm. Somebody told me one time, if you don't feel the call, you better not go into the ministry, and I would give a big amen to that. You better not. But I felt the call to become a minister. I did not understand it. But, folks, as I felt that call, I began to have many fears. You see, first of all, I knew that I would need some education because I had hardly any. You know, I had about a third-grade education. Y'all will get that when you go home, okay? (laughs) That's South Carolina mathematics, third grade, okay? I didn't like school, I didn't like to study, and I didn't like to read, and I simply knew I was not smart enough to be a preacher. I knew that, and I'm not saying that I am now. I didn't have money to attend school. School costs money. I had no car to travel to school and come back home. That meant a lot to me because, look, man, I'd never been away from home. I really hadn't. I've told you all before, when I come to uh, to Roxboro, this is the farthest north I'd ever been. And the school that I was going to go to would be 160 miles away. And, folks, I really didn't want to leave my house or my home my hometown, my home church, my family, my friends, and more than anything else, Sparkleberry Swamp. And some of you, I've mentioned Sparkleberry Swamp many times, and y'all ask me, is that a real place? Google Sparkleberry Swamp, South Carolina, and it'll come up, okay? All right? Sparkleberry Swamp stood for my hunting and fishing grounds. I have never lost my love for the outdoors or hunting and fishing, and I hope one day to go back to Sparkleberry Swamp. But after I've done God's will for my life, I was afraid more than anything else of failure. 
how would it look to my family and my friends and my home church if I went off to school and failed? Or if I got into a church and I failed? Well, August of 1969 came. I graduated high school. I packed up and left home on a Saturday morning. An uncle and aunt came up to carry me and my mama and them to North Greenwood Junior College. I'm sure y'all have heard of that. Uh, Corey's graduate too, so it is a real place, and he'll vouch for that. It was in Taggerville, South Carolina, and that is a real place, and he'll vouch for that too, okay? I got unpacked, moved into my dorm room, and my family left, and there I was. I didn't think I knew anyone else there except a couple of young people from a home church. In late afternoon, I was getting pretty discouraged. But the school required that each new student go to an orientation service, which included a chapel service. And in that chapel service, many people spoke, the president, student body leaders, professors. But the person who touched my life the most was a young man named Steve. And there were several Steves in my memory. I'd probably give you the wrong name. I think his name was Steve Crane. You'll probably never meet him here, but we'll see him in heaven. But he shared his testimony, how he made it through his first year at school. And this is what he said. He was so intimidated and so afraid that he asked God for a Bible verse. And he wrote down Philippians 4.13 on a sheet of paper and stuck it in his folder. And every day he would look at Philippians 4.13. Folks, I promise you, this is the folder that I used 44, almost 45 years ago. I don't know where the sheet of paper that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it was in this folder. And every morning when I would get up, I would open this folder and read that verse. Every time I would get discouraged, and this not only happened at North Greenville the first two years, but the third and fourth and even the years in seminary, Folks, these are words that you and I need to hear. Those were words that I needed to hear not only on that first day of school, but throughout my life. Folks, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I hope and I pray that you'll put this little card, and we'll give you multiple ones if you want it. This one's going to go in my truck so that I can be reminded every single day that whatever Christ asks me to do, I can do it, not because of who I am, but because of who He is. You see, all of us are facing different challenges in life. I'm no longer in college, but I face some of the same fears that Satan throws at at us every day and sometimes all day long. Folks, can we live for Jesus We absolutely can, but how can we do it? And here's what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What strength do you and I need from Christ today? I truly believe that any time the Word of God is spoken, regardless of whether it's in church or Sunday school or wherever it might be, regardless of who the one is that is speaking the Word of God, that God's Word speaks. And if Christ has been speaking to you, and perhaps it's been years that He's been speaking to you, saying you need to turn to me, you're spiritually dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. 
But I love you and I died on the cross to give you a spiritual birth. Jesus called it being born again. It's when you and I acknowledge to Christ that we are sinners and we believe that he died for us and in trusting him, we will be saved not by our merit but by his love and by his shed blood. Would you ask Christ to give you the strength to walk this aisle and publicly confess faith in Jesus Christ? Joining this church, being baptized, will not save you. But Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. I've heard grown men say, I can't walk a church aisle. And they couldn't. But guess what? Jesus walked with them. And they came. There's a man in our church right now, I'll not call his name, but God has done some wonderful things through that man. But he told me, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. But Jesus says, you can. And folks, one of the reasons that we can't live for Jesus is because as Christians, we're letting some private, perhaps, sin hold us back. A sin perhaps that we gave up when we were born into the kingdom of God, but we've gotten back to it. And it's destroying our witness because, you know, we can't, we can't fool people that are outside of the church. We can act one way in this place and another way outside, and we won't fool anybody. But Jesus will give us the strength to live for him daily. Would you walk this aisle and, and just bow and confess in your own heart of hearts and minds that you've sinned and you need deliverance from that sin? Will you walk this altar surrendering yourself to a place of service and ministry? You know, over the years, God has called young people out of this church, not because they were a member of Theresa Baptist Church, but because they were a member of the kingdom of God. God had a place of service for them. You might say, I can't do that. You can't, but Christ can. I can... You can, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you for this assurance that we can do all things through your Son. God, in these moments of invitation, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who is being held captive in sin, and they know that their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life because they've never yielded their hearts and lives to Christ. I pray, Father, right now that you would speak to them. And Lord, knowing that you want us not to be secret disciples, but you want us to bear witness to the world, I pray that you'll help them, Father, to, to show by coming forward that they've received your Son as their Savior and they're not ashamed of Him any longer and that they're going to serve Him. And I pray for us as Christians, Father, Lord, I think about so often we become bored in life and for whatever we've been doing for a long period of time, it loses its significance. And sometimes, Lord, in our walk with you, that happens. But God, give us a fresh walk and a newness of life. May the dynamite of God blow our hearts and minds up again. And Lord, may we get excited about serving you individually and also as a church. And Father, just pray in these moments of invitation that you'll speak and that your will would be done. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
our invitation, I believe it's number 531, I believe, this morning. Number 531, something for thee. Let us stand and may the Spirit of God lead us.